Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Literacy Podcast. Melissa and Lori love literacy. We are thrilled to be here with today's guest because something that he worked on and wrote caught our eye. And um, we just can't wait to hear hear about this from the source. <laughs> Melissa, I know you're popped Absolutely. up for it. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think I found this and sent it over to you because... Um, you know, texts are obviously really important for what we talk about on this podcast. And we talked about the most important (laughs) students are the most important. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. Yes. Do a ring. Then a text. But, you know, text complexity has been a conversation for, for a while, especially since Common Core has come out. But um, it caught my eye that there's kind of a, a new way to look at text that included some, some new new things. And that's what we'll talk about today. So I'm excited to talk to Quentin about that. Yes, indeed. Perfect. Yes, indeed. Quentin, welcome. How welcome. are you? Welcome. Hey, everybody. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and be chatting with you all. I'm, a, I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But better than that rain down there in Atlanta, right? Yeah, better than the rain. I'm like, <laughs> it is really icky outside. And I'm like, <laughs> it's a very thin line between the couch and a blanket and the computer. So I'm trying to... <laughs> right now. You look Work very cozy, though, in your in your plaid shirt. Like, it looks like a fall day versus a summer day there, so... <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. But I'm, I'm sure the humidity will catch up to me later. So it'll be probably a t-shirt later. <laughs> All right, so tell um, us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah, so um, my name is Quentin Bostic. Um, here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so pretty much my life has been like very like birth through five, um, early childhood space. And so pretty much started my career a few years ago working in a preschool and pre-K classroom and like fell in love with using books. And so nice. like I, it was just one of those things where it was like teaching is nervous, like being your first year fresh out. You're like, am I going <laughs> to do this right? And so, like, one of my, like, safe places was with books and with kids. And so um, that really just sparked my work in, like, text analysis and diversity in children's literature. And um, over the years, once I got into my Ph.D. program and finished that up, it was just like, I think this is the space that I want to be in. And then as my advisor would say, you know, you're finished now. So this hopefully this is your space you want to be in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Like, I just... Uh, the power of books, the stories they bring. Um, my dissertation work does a lot of like pushing the lines and pushing the boundaries on some more traditional and formal ways of thinking. And so um, just super excited to be talking about how I push these boundaries and ways that we can think differently about using books and engaging in conversations around them. Absolutely. There was a this came from the toolkit that you helped write. So I'm totally stealing this from you, but there was a quote in there from um, Dr. Alfred Tatum that was, uh-huh. I constantly I constantly ask myself of all the texts in the world, why do I want to put this text in front of my students? And I just like <laughs> took that away. I was like, oh, that's such a good, like there's so many texts out there. Like why this one? Yeah. And you know what? So I am a firm believer that books should do a lot of things. You know, books should teach vocabulary, but books should tell stories, books should t- share experiences. Um, but one thing I've recently began to hone in on is the idea that books bring joy. Mm. 
And Dr. Goldie mm-hmm. Muhammad talks a lot about the idea that books can bring joy and the power of that joy. And so it's one thing when I pick up a book and say, all right, well, here's the vocabulary where I'm going to push in today. I'm going to pull it out. We're going to look at this yeah. and use this word over and over again, the real technical stuff, right? But then you look at it and say, now, after all that, was the kid happy? Was a was child joyful going through it? And when you add that layer and you kind of look at books differently, um, mm-hmm. especially when you look at representation, um, especially because my work, my dissertation work is all about representation, um, especially surrounding black and brown boys. And so like mm-hmm. being a black and brown boy, looking at these books from the lens of a researcher through the lens of diversity, I started seeing some of my favorite books becoming less of my favorite books over time. Um, like specifically some of the, like the Ezra Jack Keats books. Um, some of my work looks at really like how, you know, race and racism is represented. And you look at this book and it's like, wow, Peter, like Peter's such a prominent character in our community, in the black community and in the world of children's literature. But then you like, you look at the background images and you look at the different narratives that are really there. It's like, hmm, you kind of, ask it another question and then sometimes that answer isn't always the answer that you want to hear <laughs> but it's the work that has to be yeah. done questions that need to be asked yeah I, I i that reminds me of i'm looking at um actually of your toolkit um <laughs> in the the section titled know yourself know your students mm-hmm. and what you just mentioned makes me think of that i feel like Actually, everything you say could apply to probably every section of the toolkit. But um, it's in this section in particular, um, I really liked the stop and consider. I love the little green boxes. Um, mm-hmm. The stop and consider. Don't presume students' identity markers. Do the work to get to know them. Take care to work against the assumption that because you share an identity marker with a student, you can connect with their specific experiences. And I, that reminds me of what you just spoke about. Yeah, um, it, it's it's. You ha- I always say we're on this, we're all on different journeys in life. And I work in the space of like diversity and anti-racism. And so I use this as an example is that we're all on this journey in anti-racism. We're all on this journey about learning about diversity. Just because I have, just because I'm black doesn't mean that I can pick up a book and I know the culture from front to back. There are dim- many different um, dialects in the way we speak. There are many different um, makeups of our ethnicity and things of that sort. And so one thing for me I had to learn, and I can share an example of my journey. Um, so when I taught in a preschool classroom, I had a little boy that would come in and he was pants would be sagging. So as a black man, I'm like, oh gosh, I, you know, I don't want you to be another black boy out here who's quote unquote sagging his pants. And I just had all these preconceived notions about what this one action of behavior really meant or made this child to be. And so being my savior self at that point was like, I'm going to go buy him a belt. I'm going to go buy this kid a belt. And then talk to the parent was like, hey, you know, hey, dad, I want to make sure that, you know, he's not sagging his pants and, you know, making sure he has a belt. So I went and bought one. And ultimately it came that I was offensive in a way and where the father shared mm-hmm. that, you know, I worry about putting food on the table. I worry about making sure he can afford preschool. I worry about making sure he has food on the table and <laughs> shoes on his feet. The belt is not a priority for me right now. So thank you for noticing. But had you opened up the door and had the conversation, wouldn't be here today. And that right there in itself was so powerful because it let me know that my assumption based on what I saw was wrong. And we can't assume. And we and we do the same thing about the kids walking to our classroom. We see, mm-hmm. we think you can see their race, you can see their gender, you can see their background, their social class. But can you really take what you see and apply that to that child? And even if you could, 
I always like to say that we can't just take an idea of a culture and see a child being part of that culture and just lay on all these stereotypical ideas and facts about them. It's more like, how is a child a piece of this culture? And what does this child bring to their culture? There are many different cultures, not just their one race. They have their gender, their sexual orientation, their religion, their social class, even the way they carry themselves and where they live at. All these different things have an impact on who they are. And so know yourself. You have to know yourself and say, I need to grow in this journey still about diversity, or I need to take the first step and say, what am I doing to be oppressive in this space? And what am I doing to give liberty and give agency in this space? And when you start asking yourself those questions, you may kind of rethink what you're doing, the way you approach things like selecting books for the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we should pause real quick, if you don't mind. (laughs) And just back, I think we should talk to the audience a little bit and let them know about this toolkit, because we've mentioned it already a couple of times. So can you just tell us? Yes, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yes, yes, Um, okay. Yeah, tell us a little bit about it. We dove right from. in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, so this is so, why this is why Melissa is so good because I'm like ready to keep going and have a conversation, <laughs> and I totally forgot that everybody listening <laughs> has not seen the toolkit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, we can definitely let's let's take a step back. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so basically, this can, oh, should I just jump on you now? Yes. Yep. Go oh, for cool. it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so basically the way it's worked is that, um, so student achievement partners, Achieve the Core, they had a really cool project going on. So of course they're all about using tech, com- complex text, but what they realized is that after, um, seeing what was happening in the world around us, seeing the need for di- an increase in diversity in children's literature, um, they wanted to formulate a plan to say, okay, how can we re-examine and look at our tools and really push forward. And so that kind of was that first layer of know yourself. So mm-hmm. as, a, as an organization, it had to like look at ourselves, learn ourselves. And then from that point, we can then move forward. And so as you all know, I was a teacher too. You can tell me this great grand idea, right? But until you tell me step by step how to do it, I might <laughs> not do it. I was wondering, <laughs> what's step one? What's step two? What's step three? <laughs> and yeah. so we kind of try to like take that idea of like if a teacher was actually to pick up a book or this tool, what would it look like? Um, and so we grounded these ideas of text complexity, but also the ideas of CRP, cultural responsive pedagogy, and thought about it's one thing for a book to bring academic success, but does it bring social political consciousness? Does it bring critical consciousness? Does it help children think about their identity and how they are situated in this world doesn't do all of that. And so pretty much we came up with this tool that we have been um, piloting in different spaces with different teachers just saying, you know, what are the different aspects of being on this journey of picking diverse books, but not only thinking about the books you put, but your journey personally as well. So know yourself before you choose these Mm -hmm. books. Once you learn yourself, learn your students. After you learn your students, now that now we can look at the complexity of the text. Now we can look at the questions like, is the character portrayed in the book? Is the author and illustrator actually a person from that culture have the same lived experiences as the character? Um, I think about like Ezra Jack Keats, for example. Um, Peter was a black character. His family was black. Did Ezra Jack Keats have those same lived experiences because he was a white man? He may have, he may have not. But we know there are some identities there that aren't actually represented and shared between both the author, the illustrator, and the character themselves. And so 
a lot of these critical questions around like power, identity, why is this happening? For what reasons? Um, was really some of the grounding conversations and questions that really helped to guide this tool development. Yeah. And I, I just want to like throw out what I love about it <laughs> because when I think, when I think to the, like, I don't want to call it the old text complexity or text analysis toolkit. <laughs> like, I don't know what we call it now, but the, you know, the other one, but they exactly. came before uh, with the, the, the previous version, the previous version that had the four categories. You know, I'm, I'm really used to using that and it kind of, you know, it falls into the four different places and you'd say like, yeah, like I don't have any of the, language in front of me right now rubrics yep 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 and it's like yes this is like moderately difficult or it's you know slightly complex right that are being asked and things of that sort yeah and what I loved about this was like it doesn't you can't do that with this right you can't just check off a box and say like yes this text it hits the mark and like yeah (laughs) to go for everybody because The you know the text is going to land differently for a teacher for a student for the students that are in front of them and honestly it's more about the hard work of the teacher going through this you know process and thinking through who are my students and what is this what's in this text and how you know what where are the places it's gonna (laughs) land well or not um yeah. I just love it. <laughs> and I love what you just said, because that, I mean, that also goes back into our grounding with this tool is that, you know, Redeem Sims Bishop has this idea of windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors, mm-hmm. you know, and the books should be windows. They should be mirrors of children's reflection. They also should be sliding glass doors where they use their brilliant imagination, something that kids don't use much anymore. We should encourage our kids to use their imagination. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Having those books that really help them to do that. But also, I think one thing I do want to say is that Looking at this tool, it can be easy to say, I need a checkbox, right? I need yeah. a checkbox. And you may think, okay, once I have this checkbox, this this book has this score. And if it has this score, then it then it can move on. But that's not that's that's actually not the purpose of it. The purpose is you know this book so well, what it does and what it does not do, that you can now pair it with different books and different experiences. And so I still may use the Edger Jack Keats books in my classrooms, but I'm also going to provide other experiences such as Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut. Mm. That talks about the lived experience in a barbershop written by a Black man and illustrated by a Black man. So multiple perspectives of what the Black community looks like. And so the idea is that this tool helps you to really understand what this certain book does and how it functions and how you as a teacher can then step into your teaching space and say, okay, cool multiple perspectives. What other books and ideas and perspectives can I bring in here to really help our students understand the full grasp of what we're learning today? Yeah, that is um, like a great example. And I'm just going to throw another one out because I've been, I've been reading Thunder Rolling in the Mountains, um, which is about the Nez Perce experience, a Native American tribe, but it's written by Scott O'Dell, who's a white man. Um, And although he did a lot of research and, you know, talked to some of the Nez Perce that were still living at the time, if he's mm-hmm. still a white man. Exactly. Uh, and so there's a lot of talk of like, well, how do we bring like Chief Joseph's actual voice to the table versus just this, this novel? So, um, yeah. And that, that, and I, and I will say too, there's so many different factors I think that really impact that itself. I mean, I think about like publishing, the publishing industry is crazy. It's so political. <laughs> um, and there are so many different organizations now, um, such as we need diverse books who are really trying to promote the voices of scholars, yeah. writers of color, um, even like the Brown Book Shelf. They do an amazing job promoting books about, from authors and illustrators of color. But 
I, I think one of the biggest things for me is that we have to teach children at a very early age that their voice matters yeah. and that their voice has power. Um, I mean, it may have been my experience, but growing up, I don't believe I was encouraged much to be a writer or an illustrator or to share my story. It was more like, I'm going to go to school, get a great job, whether it's science, math, or a doctor, maybe going to be an athlete, and then go from there, boom. And so I'm so glad I fell in education because it was one of my little spaces. But I also realized over the years that, you know, when I taught, I had kids who were fearful to speak up, like fearful to make choices and fearful to... Mm-hmm use their own words and feel comfortable using their own words. And that's one of the most harm. That's the most hurtful thing for me as a teacher who's really trying to promote equity and voice and change. And I have students who are literally sometimes because of their culture taught to be taught at, will talk to and not with. And so when I think about how to elevate voices, it's learning with the student, learning with the family, learning with the culture, learning with your peers around you, because it's, perspectives matter like they, they matter so much and we got to really learn how to encourage our students to be writers so that way they can grow up and start writing these books that their <laughs> younger the later generations can see I mean I'm even in a space right now I'm like I need to write a book too like I'm, I'm doing all this work about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna write a book I'm like okay cool <laughs> so, yeah, good point. In the it'll increase <laughs> yeah I think that's so important that their their voice matters and their voices have power and like to me, it draws back to what we were all just talking about is, you know, it's really easy to take a checklist and to like check boxes and it is kind of the easy way out. And it was a way to, I think, identify whether things were there or that, or they weren't. And I think in the process of moving from, you know, moving to complex texts, I should say, when, um, with the, you know, at, uh, with the with Common Core coming down the line, and mm-hmm. I mean that was so long ago, but mm-hmm. it seemed like checklists were a good first step in that. And so transitioning to this now really powerful way of thinking, mm-hmm. and to me, you know, it, there's this resource that you created that has the potential for me as an educator to really reflect, but then take my reflections in this toolkit and have those powerful conversations with my fellow teammates, with leaders, so that I can say, you know, we are using um, these materials and I'm noticing that these voices are elevated. And I think there also might be space during small group time to include this other text or space during, um, you know, our social studies content time to integrate this other text that would be really helpful in including another voice or another perspective. Um, so I, I think, you know, the, we, we teach our children, we want to teach our children that, but mm-hmm. the hard work comes in the deep work that we have with the, our voices too, as we learn and grow in this space in the toolkit, it is a fantastic tool to, to use to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I, uh, it's, yeah. it's, I think it's just the culture of, of, of education at a certain point where we just begin to standardize everything. Everything's like, what was your score? Like, what was yeah. your grade yeah. score? What was yes. your race score? Was your score good enough to get you in college? Was your score good enough to get you? It's like everything score, 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 but you yeah. can get the human. Level, level or score. Level, we're leveling or scoring. Exactly. Even like kids like, what's your Lexile score? I'm like, I'm like, I, so I, who knows? Like, I really, <laughs> most of the numbers really ring, you know? They're, 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 they help us see things, but also it's like, that number, 
Like some kids are literally in schools as numbers. We forget that they're humans. And and I think that oftentimes because of the standardization of culture of test scores and just numbering thing that it becomes a way of thinking around, here's this book, score it. Here's this tool, score it. And it's like, forget the score. What's in the tool? What, mm-hmm. what does it help you to do? What conversations come out of it? And that's a completely mm-hmm. different it's a conversation to saying, oh, it's four to four, next point. It's like, well, why is it a four? <laughs> it's like, well, it's because of this, the X, Y, and Z. And that's, that's the, what we want the tool to actually do. This cause, cause and spark those conversations. Absolutely. I have a question for you, Quinn. Yes. <laughs> so we talk a lot on our podcast about um, high quality instructional materials, you know, so curriculum mm-hmm. that we hope that, you know, more teachers get to use those, those materials so that they're not having to start from scratch and find all their own texts and and write their own curriculum. Um, But I'm wondering how this, like, I could see a teacher saying, well, like, I don't have a choice in what my texts are. I'm using this curriculum. So why bother using this toolkit? Yep. I don't, I don't agree with that, but I'm wondering. (laughs) That's actually a great question. Cause I was that teacher. Like, I don't have time for like, I mean, think about like, for example, EO curriculum. The EO curriculum is a very a much scripted curriculum in a way in which it provides you with the assessments, it provides you with the books that you can choose, um, and things of that sort. Um, but one thing we notice is that curriculums don't change as much as the classroom does, right? Mm-hmm. Like we every single year yeah. of the class, it's the, the makeup, the demographic, the, the ways you're learning, the standards are all shifting, right? And sometimes it takes the curriculums a little longer to catch up to it, which it's okay. So here's what I would say to like a teacher like me who like, I don't have time for this. And I would always ask, well, think about the person who made time for you. Do you want to be that person for this child or not? And guarantee you that teacher will be like, okay. (laughs) Yes, Of course I want to be that person. Well, here's a way you can be that person. I said, I want you, I actually encourage teachers say, I want you to, Find a, a child in your class who may be the most quiet child, maybe the one whose voice you may not hear um, as much of in the classroom and pick up a book and make it a book that's a mirror that reflects this child and just have the conversation about this child and their relation in comparison to the book. Mm. I guarantee you that child has a lot they want to share, but probably has never had the opportunity or the chance to even share their words. And so experiences like that are the experiences that change lives. And so tools like this can be tools or ways or to help you have these powerful conversations that change lives. I don't know any teacher who has been in the classroom for years who does not love what they do every single day. Teaching is not an easy job. I'd say teachers are some of the most powerful people in the world. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're caregivers, we're with the counselors, we're yep. with the nurses, <laughs> we're, we're everything, right? You know, and we have power in, in these children's lives and that it takes five minutes to change a life. And if you can give Take five minutes to use this tool to find a book that you can share multiple times. Why not do it? You know, why? Yeah. And, you know, resistance is natural. There's teachers are going through a lot right now. We, we're trying to figure out whether we're going to be teaching in person or we're going to be hybrid. I mean, there's a lot of things <laughs> happening. And so any way that we can support and love on our students as much as we want to be loved on as teachers, think about that. I always say, where's the love? The love that you feel or the love that you want this child to feel is this process helping you do it? This toolkit does. Yeah. You know, you're making me think about, and I'm going to turn, turn, turn this into a question for you in a moment, but 
And when, you know, you just gave that great example of um, students who are marginalized and showing them that you see them. What I love in that example is that, yes, you're aware of, you know, the diversity in your class or the makeup of your class. But this example that you gave was a student who really was a quiet student Mm -hmm. and how that student could see him or herself in the text. And that I've been thinking a lot about the idea that mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors goes so Mm. beyond race. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, race is like the first, it's like the first thing you see. Um, and, and kind of that we think about, but there is so much more to it than that. And I love the idea of like thinking about the students as whole people and thinking like about the nuances of their personalities. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think that's so important. Like it, that really as a teacher was like (laughs) where I found true joy, you know, getting to know my students, like not just what they like and dislike, Mm -hmm. but like the little nuances of their personalities Mm -hmm. and how we can bring that to them using this toolkit. Um, to find texts. Yeah. So I, so I, yes, I have a story that like I use a lot and I, I keep it with this child to this day, still to this day. So it's kind oh. of address um, the high quality instructional material topic, but also this learning and being with the student. Um, so I, I taught in a typical, not a, I taught in a, um, an inclusive classroom. And so half of my students um, had IEPs and half of my students were on the, were typically developing um, as we said at that point in time. <laughs> um, so I had a little boy in my class named Jeremiah. He was completely nonverbal. And he was the just cutest kid in the in the world. Um, he loved to be with the group, but was just not verbal. And, and, that, and that was okay because we found other ways for him to communicate. Um, so we got to a point in the year where we were going to try to try pushing in a few small vocabulary words and having him use them and do a few call and response things of that sort. And so I said, I was trying to, I'm like, what is blind? I pulled out every single trick in the book. I'm like, I'm looking up research. <laughs> I'm pulling out all kinds of stuff. I'm like, what is going on? I attend a few like speech therapy classes to get a few tips on how I can support. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the work, right? I literally almost, almost gave up. And I went to the mom and dad and was like, what's happening at home? We know he's using words at home. What's happening at home? That's not happening here. Mm. That question changed my entire life with him that year. Dad was a tech person. He always saw his, so he always saw dad on the computer. Mom was also a tech person too. So there was a lot of screen time that he saw the parents use. And so a lot of the communication he saw was through Zoom through typing, through Slack and things of that sort. And so dad was like, well, he communicates a lot through the iPad. Like he can spell out different words and communicate with you. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, can I start bringing the iPad in? And I want you to see how he communicates. I'm like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> let's do it. And so I remember sitting at the table with him one day and we were I sat next to him. And I was like, so Jeremiah, how's your lunch today? He literally goes to the, go to the screen and says, good. So he spoke to the screen, not me. Hmm. So I said, oh, well, what what part was good? Carrots. <laughs> I'm like, <"Huh." laughs> okay. I said, let's see, let's see how well this goes. I said, so <laughs> I said, I like your shoes. Where'd you get your shoes from? Gift. Hmm. I was able to communicate with him wow. the tablet. It took me knowing that child and his family. To know that that iPad was a bridge for communication. 
which I go back to this idea of like the idea behind high quality instructional materials, I think we all should have access to. But I'm leaning more towards the term now responsive instructional materials because I can take that same tablet and put it in a different classroom with a different child and it may not be as responsive. Mm-hmm. I can take the same tablet and put it in a school with children who have visual impairments and may not be as effective. But for this child, that was a high quality instructional material that allowed him to do the work that he needed to do in that classroom. And so when I think about knowing your students, knowing your students and what they need and the responsiveness behind that makes that material high quality. To me, it's, it's the high quality instructional material, but it's responsive. It's mm-hmm. really a responsive tool. I can pick up a curriculum and go into a typical development classroom and it works perfectly. But I go into a classroom that has students who have varying abilities. It may not be high quality anymore. So do we still call it high quality? Or is it more of this tool is responsive to the children, to the students in this classroom? These materials are responsive to the students in this classroom. And so I know I catch a lot of slack about that because HQIM is popular right now. It's like the trending word right now. And so I just encourage that we do think about those high quality instructional materials, but how can those materials be more responsive versus just lay on the fact of like it's high quality, checkbox done. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that's what I was thinking when I asked the question earlier, right? Is like, mm-hmm. even if you're told you have to teach this text, like you have to teach this text, right? Going through the process of this toolkit, you know, helps, would help me as a teacher to think through like, okay, like it's it, not just a surface level, like, okay, yeah. the, you know, the main character in this is a boy yeah. and I have 50% boy. So what yeah. do I do for the girls? Yeah. Right. But like, that's so surface level, but like thinking through real, like you have to think through, like you said, your students and all that they bring to the table for their identity, not just the race and gender and exactly. the things that are said. As I said, those are the things you can see. Like, mm-hmm. I always people will judge you based on the things they can see. You can see race. You can sometimes see gender. Mm-hmm. But you can definitely see race. You can, you can definitely see, and based on the way you carry yourself, you can see ethnicity because we know race and ethnicity are different. And so, mm-hmm. and even down to some of the tires, you may see religion represented based on different yep. cultural symbols, crosses, yeah. and things of that sort. And so, so I feel like you can even yeah. see, you, can, you might even be able to see social class depending on, Ex- you know, yeah. what exactly. you're wearing or what they're wearing, where their brains are coming yeah. from, where their address is. I mean, I know teachers who look up addresses. What they bring in their lunchbox, you know, I mean, there's a lot that could contribute. What time but like, cool? <laughs> yeah. And like you said, though, like a lot of assumptions can be made about all of those things. Exactly. Yeah. About just generally assumptions that could be made. But then like, especially thinking about how they'll connect with or not connect with a text, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think the toolkit yeah. helps me think through like, don't make those assumptions, really think about who your students are. Exactly. And I, and I always, I, when I was, when I'm still doing teacher training, one thing I always ask, well, did you ask? Yeah. They're like, well, I mean, I, I can I ask? Yeah. <laughs> ask, ask them where they're from. How's their family made up? You know, where, where they visited, places they traveled to. It's nothing worse than you doing a plan an amazing unit about, let's say, for example, you plan an amazing unit around what happens at the, at the Greek Olympics. Right. And kids are like, I have no clue what the Olympics are. Like, what is that? It's like, what. And I was, did you ask them what they thought the Olympics was? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's that's where the responsiveness comes in. You ask those questions. And I always say, I should be asking the kids as many questions as I ask them. Like, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. I want to learn. You should learn, too. Mr. Quinn, where are you from? I'm from here. Where are you from? Well, I'm from here, too. Oh, what language do you use at home? Oh, we use that, too. Okay. Like, that's how we build those connections. And those mm-hmm. relationships are the foundation for how to be responsible in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, that, and then that all seeps over into as you're working through the text. I feel like then students can, like, you're the first step is know yourself and know your students. So mm-hmm. you really can't get past anything in yep. the text before you know those things. Then yep. when you head into the text, you can really start thinking about um, where students you know, may connect to or may need some additional work with, like you just mentioned, right, vocabulary or different, like, Mm -hmm. knowledge building that they may need to access the text and maybe where this text falls in a set of texts so that it's accessible for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I, I, you know, and I know you're related to, like, high-quality materials, um, and I I think that that is something that, you know, I've heard... um, a couple times or even seen on like, you know, the Facebook groups, like, oh, my students aren't going to connect to Thunder Rolling in the mountains because mm-hmm. they're not this race or, mm-hmm. but if you go through the toolkit and you use the toolkit as a tool to unpack this text, it's, although race is the first thing you see, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's not the only thing that's happening in that book by any stretch of the imagination. Exactly. Um, there's so much more. And, and I think that that's what like, I really just keep thinking you know, in using your toolkit, like there's so much more and it, it's so important to use something like this to help even like reset your own thinking as oh, a teacher, yeah. right? Like reset your thinking, reset your mindset. And it's, we're heading into the school year. It's a great, great start to do that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, everybody's like the all about me thing now. Like it's the beginning of the school year. Do it. Like tap into it. That was my favorite unit. I mean, literally and out, you know, before COVID hit, you know, I was like inviting <laughs> into the classroom and saying, bringing in outdoor guests and like taking the kids to different experiences, you know, because all those experiences matter. And I think that's is bottom line is that experiences matter. Um, and just the toolkit really will just help you to think about books differently. I mean, there's a book right now um, that I'm looking at called it's called Windows by Julia Denos. Um, and the book basically is about uh, a character, a black, black and brown character who is walking down the street from his home, walking his dog at night. Um, he kind of walks this convenience store and then makes it back home. So it's a great story to kind of just see like diverse in neighborhood. But then you look at that book through the lens of like reality and what it means for a black boy with a hoodie on walking down the street. We know historically black boys with hoodie on going to make it home at night whether they're going, whether they're the nicest kid in the world or whether they are the, mis, I guess, mis, most misbehaved child in the world. Either way, that experience for a black and brown boy to walk down the street, if, if that's the story and the narrative that's only in this book, what happens when their peer doesn't make it home? How do we explain that? Mm-hmm. But the thing with the toolkit is that that's just one perspective. Toolkit says bring multiple perspectives in. So now I'm going to bring in the book Crown and Oath to the Fresh Cut because same Black character about the everyday life of a Black boy, but this book also talks about the other experience of Black boys. Like It's one term in the book or a phrase that says, 
the, the caregiver needs angels to guide him when he leaves the barbershop because it's no longer a safe space. And so helping the kids, like, well, what does that mean? And so if you have this book that says, hey, here's this kid that walks to the store and comes back. But then there's also another perspective that says, hey, you need protection when you leave here. Mm-hmm. That's the conversation that should be happening in the classroom. Like, what does that mean? And that conversa- conversation right there can include vocabulary. It can include those connections to questions. You can say, now use evidence from the book to tell me why your explanation was that. Because that's a part of the shifts we see. You use more evidence. And so the toolkit it does that. It's like you said earlier, it's not just a check mark. Oh, this book is good. This book is bad. But it's more of this book has this function. So now I know I need a book that does this other function. So that way I know we can get the full story. You know, it's so funny because before you told that story, I was going to ask you like, is there a balance you want to strike between mirrors and windows? You know, I'm, I'm looking for the number of like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like but you just listen one to check box now. I do, I do <laughs> like, is this enough windows and, it, you know, it, enough mirrors to balance out the windows? You know, it, it's but so I, hard. because I, I mean, I do the same thing. So I'm like, okay, how many books in my bookshelf do I have? I like, do this, this, this. I'm like, wait, how does the book function? And that's the mm-hmm. hard part. Like mm-hmm. oftentimes it's like my, di- my bookshelf's diverse. And then it's like, well, okay, cool. Now, what do you do with it? What are the stories in there? I feel like that's that's so important for our leaders listening to hear, right? Yeah. Like, it's the function of the books, and yep. it, it in the in the space of the you know the toolkit, which really is in the space of of mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors, right? It's helping mm-hmm. to to see that whole picture. Because yeah. as you were talking, I was thinking about my daughter, who's almost ten, and she's white, and mm-hmm. I was thinking. Wow, I really th- those books that mm-hmm. you're mentioning. Yep. That would be amazing for her to see into a different space, right? Exactly. But exactly. Not just that space. Like there's so many other things too that we're like we're reading um all 13 aloud right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um and she's you know I started reading it aloud and now she's like <laughs> itching to read more. Um <laughs> But it, it, it's about, it, it, that's a whole different culture that we're exploring and answering mm-hmm. questions about. And again, those children are about her age. So there's like that mirror aspect of like, yeah, oh my gosh, they're like, we're both, we're all children here. Right. So, and, but what you just mentioned, we could, we could find a, so many different mirrors there as yep. well as windows. So I think it's really like, I almost think of this as like a big challenge, the toolkit, because it's. <laughs> It's like mm-hmm. you could find a ton of mirrors and a ton of windows. It's just you have to really think deeply about each text. Yep. And then in relation to your students, like you said. I agree. And and we and one thing, one question that has come up, I will be honest with the development of this toolkit is that is this toolkit something that should be done on an individual teacher base? Is it something that's done as a planning group? Is this something that administration should do and kind of really set out, you know, what books Good are being question. used? To me, it's all the above. Like, it goes mm-hmm. back to agency and voice. It should be everybody's voice, including the students. I think oftentimes we're like, what are the parents like? What are the parents saying? What are the teachers saying? What is the district saying? Did y'all ask the kids what they want? <laughs> Nobody decided to ask the kids, and they're here, they're here all day. This is for them. So, like, <laughs> they're here all day. I'm it's like, so true. <laughs> but we we often think they they won't know, right? But they do. <laughs> they, they do. I, I promise. So one year, and this was actually a great experience too, is that one year, well, one summer, I had gotten my my. Preschool kids were transitioned to pre-K. So it was like a summer program. And so 
I'm prepping, I'm planning. I'm like, all right, August gets here. We're going to kick it off strong. I have my bookshelf set up. And I'm in this place now. I'm like, all right, I'm going through my books. What's represented? I'm throwing books out, putting books here, throwing books out. <laughs> and by the time I finished, I, was, I had like two newspapers. I'm like, this isn't going to work. And so I asked each parent, I said, if you could bring in one book that you use in your family, your household. Parents were bringing multiple books mm. back to back. They wanted to be a part of the classroom. They wanted to be a part of the learning. Kids saw that and they're like, this is the book from my house. We read this book and we have this conversation. Aww, that's and, so then we cool. do this and we do this. And so now I have now embedded every student's book perspective in my classroom in the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Their perspective is now being shared to me. It's also now being shared to their yeah. peers. And guess what? That is something I did every single year. We designed the bookshelf. The teacher, this is not Quentin's bookshelf. This is the classroom bookshelf. This is our community bookshelf. Parents bringing books in, bringing books out. Parents like, oh, this is the season for us. This is the holiday and tradition we're doing. Let's bring this book in. I'll come in and read it and I'll expand on it. Mm. And one thing about me, I love having parents come in and do lessons. I'm like, whoo, read for a few minutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. But it was a great way for the parents to know how much literacy matters. Yeah. The power of literacy and that I value them and all their identities in the class. I bet you learned so much about the families too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it was incredible. And like going back to that, me building my personal journey of learning, that was my year of like growth. It was so challenging learning certain terms that were offensive and not offensive and, and nicknames that were offensive and not offensive and certain signs and, and hand motions that were, I mean, it really makes you think like, wow, where have I been my whole entire life? You know, I just richness in the classroom and it, I just had to open the door. That's it. And yeah. when I opened it, it came flooding in. <laughs> So amazing. I, I think that's also a theme that I find in the toolkit. It's really just about, it's like a learning journey through a book, like exactly. you just mentioned, right? It's you're learning as you go through that year and you're learning as you unpack a text in the toolkit and you, there's, it just, it never ends as a teacher or a leader. You just keep learning. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, a journey of living and learning. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's just... It's, it should not be like live, laugh, love. It should be live, laugh, learn. Exactly. Literally. <laughs> That's right. I like it. That's a t-shirt. See coffee mugs. <laughs> We're going to outsource that, okay? That's good. <laughs> I love right. it. So, Quentin, we always end with asking our um, our guests to share a piece of advice with our listeners. So we'd love for you to... To share a piece of advice. Uh, Could be about anything. Good one. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna remix a quote um, that I heard from Goldie Muhammad again, because I'm obsessed with her. I love her work to death. Um, so when I was writing my dissertation, I struggled with having my voice present. Like, you know, there's this prescribed way of writing a dissertation. Like it should do this, 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 this. And when I wrote it, I felt like it was no longer me. It wasn't my voice anymore. And she told me that I had to become more comfortable in loving my language and who I was and my words so much mm. that no one can ever tell you how to use them. There should be no reason why you should feel uncomfortable using your voice 
and using it authentically. And so my biggest advice is that, especially for our teachers who feel they're in a space where they want to make change and bring in these diverse books and they may have some challenges, whether it's administration or funding or things of that sort. Remember that your voice has power. Your voices have power and people are just waiting for you to speak up and listen. I always say it's easier to go and get a no than to not know it at all. And so I was that radical teacher. I called myself like the neighborhood abolitionist. That was my thing. <laughs> like that was my thing. But it was a way for me to have my voice. And when I started speaking up, I noticed others were like, well, I got your back. I'm behind you too. And then like that snowball just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And once that support happens, change comes. I mean, like this toolkit. I mean, I had this crazy idea of like, <laughs> I want to do this thing. And, and SAP is like, we want to do it too. And like, that was the Aww. snowball. And like, here's the snowball in this space with you all growing as well. And so just know that your voice has power and your one little line can cause great change. And so mm. change can happen. That's amazing. Yeah. Great advice. And actually <laughs> perfect, it. perfect advice for podcast, right? Yay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just sharing so advice gonna... more than anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, love it. I have one final thing for you, Quentin. Um, yes. Melissa, I told you I, I was going to, I didn't tell you I was going to do this today, uh -oh. but I did order. So I saw this thing, these cards called pod decks, and Ooh. they're really fun ways to ask questions for your Get podcast ready. guests. <laughs> I, I feel like I pulled a question, and if you're game, Let's Are you game to answer it? Okay. I'm totally so, game. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you two options. Can we do that? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. All right. So <laughs> can you share either your morning or your night routine mm -hmm. or your most embarrassing moment? It could be an education or um, personally, which I think would be hilarious. It's up to you which one you choose, though, <laughs> based on your comfortability. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> this is actually a good one. So it's obvious, it's kitty, it's kid friendly too, also. So I, <laughs> okay, so working with a four and five year olds, especially walking to parks and things like that, it's an adventure. Like I'm pulling out like the ropes and everything. We're like hanging on, we got our arms, we're like linked yeah. up, scuffling down the street. We're doing everything, right? And so I have found this really cool, like super long bungee cord, right? And so I had kids who thought it'd be cool to just stop and we stretch it, but they didn't realize that when you hold on to it and come back, we all go like this. <laughs> so I'm in the park with 25 kids and they did it and we ended up all on the ground together. So now I have like, <laughs> parents walking over, police officers like, is everything okay? I'm like, we just fell. Like we just, <laughs> now it's a guy in the park with 22 kids, we're all on the ground, they're kicking and screaming, laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> If you had done the toolkit, you would have known your students were going to do that. Exactly. <laughs> I did not know that. I did the toolkit. I mean, literally, I'm like 25, four or five year olds out in the middle of the park, just stretched out. I'm like, defects on to be so bad. <laughs> we only oh have my one gosh. Issue, but it's okay. We survived. <laughs> 
hands down. Oh my gosh. Moment teaching, hands down. Like, that's, that's how I imagine every day with four and five year olds. Main park right in the middle of campus. So walking. I'm like trying to be cool, teach. It just. That's so fun. <laughs> that is great. Thank you for sharing that. I, yeah. I I might just give everybody that one because honestly, I'm I love like a good embarrassing moment. I didn't and, I didn't know what Lori um, was gonna ask you. I was yeah. I pulled two. I mean it depends. Not everybody's comfortable sharing that. So yeah. <laughs> it was that was I just relive that in my head. That was a hilarious moment. Like, actually, one of the parents was like walking. She was like, "Is he okay?" I'm like, "I promise, it was not a part." <laughs> that oh, is amazing. So well, thank oh. you for sharing, and thank you yep. for being here, Quentin. Yeah. We really enjoyed talking with you today. Yeah, and Quentin will post the um, a link to the toolkit so that people can see it, of course. Um, but I just wanted to share real quick that on the toolkit, two things. One, there's amazing, amazing resources. Yes. Like I've saved this for myself because I'm like, I need to look at all of them. Um, and then I did see, just confirm this for it. me, that you're all still taking feedback on the toolkit. Is that correct? We are. We are. We are literally like in prototype phase. And we're actually like next starting like the week after next, we'll be like revamp and do like some hard revisions. So if y'all have any like specifics or ideas, please shoot them my way. Because we're Great. like, you got it. You got it. it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And maybe once you do your final draft, we could add it as a link on our website too. We'll oh, do like a yes, resources totally. link. Okay. Oh, hundred percent. Totally. Totally can do that. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank it was you great to so meet you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Of it was course. amazing to meet you. Well, thank y'all. So good oh. to meet you. I had a great time. This is a great spark in my day. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Same here. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day, Quentin. You too. Talk later. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.